Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley, and I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my fiance and co-host, Dr. Frank Powers. Frank and I have written a book called Open to Love, The Secrets of Senior Dating, because we met after my husband passed away. And um, we think that there's love out there for people. All the proceeds, 100% of the book, go to the Open to Hope Foundation Again, helping people find hope after loss. Well, Frank, we have got an amazing guest on today. He's been a good friend of Open Hope for many, many years. His name is Andy McNeil. And Andy is, uh, well, he's all things to grief, loss, and kids. I mean, he's worked uh, with the National Alliance for Children's Grief. He works with the Tragedy Assistance Program in their youth program and institute and helping people heal with our good friend, Bonnie Carroll, fabulous organization. I know I'm very well through the Compassionate Friends because he's doing a lot of work and consulting there, but he does it all through his fabulous group that he organized called the Centauri Group. Well, Andy, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thank you, Gloria and, and Frank. And I, I listen, I've been a, not only a great friend of Open to Hope, but but uh, uh, Gloria, a great big fan of yours um, and uh, and your family and and all that you do. So honored to be on here and be be part of this conversation today. Well, Andy, talk to us about what bereaved kids need. My partner here, Frank, was a bereaved kid. You think about what it was like for you when you were a kid. Um, part of it is is kind of putting ourselves in that uh, in that place. You know, the first thing I would say about kids who are grieving is that they're kids first before they look at them as grieving kids. So, um, you know, kids need caring adults in their lives. Uh, you know, kids need people to see them. Uh, you know, I, I remember my, when my children, when they were younger, and I'd have a weekend and I'd get a chance to relax by the pool or something like that. The entire time I'm trying to relax, they're just shouting my name the whole time. Hey, dad, dad, watch this, right? Because they want you to see them. Um, so when it comes to our kids, uh, you know, I think that's the place we start is paying attention to them, recognizing that they, they indeed grieve and, and validating that in their life among all the other things that we validate them for, um, validating that when we have someone in our life die, that it's hard yeah. and what they're feeling is normal. I was kind of an introverted kid when I was in high school. So my first two years of high school, I was kind of like under the radar. And really, in a sense, I kind of enjoyed that being an introvert. Yeah. It really wasn't bad or anything at all. And then all of a sudden, my father dies my junior year. It was a heart attack. In the afternoon, the local minister came out of the baseball diamond coach called me over and said, uh, this gentleman needs to talk to you. And that's how I found out my father had died, was wow. the minister told me right there on the baseball diamond. So then <laughs> I went home. And by the time I got to the house, his body had been taken out. So really, in a sense, I think it was a blessing uh, that I did not 
I wasn't there in the house. My father killed over and died. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. it was such a shock. I mean, I, you know, he was only 44 years old and uh, no one else in my school had had a loss. I was the first one to have a parent pass away. Mm. So it was really interesting, the whole process that followed my father's death. What happened was my father's death made me a celebrity in the school. All of a mm -hmm. sudden, I went from uh, obscurity to being the big man on campus. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt guilty about the fact that all of a sudden, I, yeah. I became someone who was a celebrity at school because my father died. So it was yeah. really strange. And I felt a little guilty about that at first. Yeah. But I really got to the place where I really liked it. Now, yeah. I liked the fact. But at the same time, my father died. Yeah. And all yeah. of a sudden, you I liked the attention. <laughs> you liked the attention that you got. So all of the things that people were doing, all of a sudden you became someone they were asking to do things and, and moving more toward the forefront. I wonder if if a piece of that was part of how they were wrapping you in their in their care and support. It feels good when, this is a perfect example, it feels good when the people around you, when you're going through something horrific, when people around you see you and actually you know bring you in. Now, I will say this. I have had many, many teenagers say to me, Andy, you know, I don't want this attention. A lot of the kids, they'll say to me, here's what they say is, though, is that I don't want to be the kid who's just known as the kid whose dad died or the kid whose mom died. So many times, um, you know, that's what I might might hear. You, you think about just thinking about kids in general, and this does it, it brings to mind for me uh, something that you we hear a lot when a child has a loss is a lot of people here who are the caregivers from others. Um, they'll have people come to them and say, you know, your kids will be all right. They're resilient. They can bounce back. They can get through any of this. And, and that term in and of itself, I think they use it in a way that, that is not intended when we think about what resiliency is because kids aren't resilient in a, in a vacuum. They can be resilient, but there's certain things that make children more resilient. Uh, and, and one of those is being able to be validated and seen by others that can have hugely positive effects on a child the number one way that kids are supported in their grief and this is research bears this out the harvard child bereavement study bears this out research that we now we now have um for for many many years on adverse childhood experiences that's the aces study we know that the number one buffer for children who are grieving the death of someone in their life against the effects in adulthood of that loss, the number one buffer is having at least one adult in their life who they believe cares that they're in the world. So it's that relationship, positive relationships with positive adults in their lives leads typically to a much better outcome uh, than, than otherwise. You know, um, yeah. knowing Frank, yeah. I happen to know another thing about him. He was almost adopted by the YMCA. 
and one of the leaders at the YMCA. They hired him to do to do things at the YMCA to run. He became group. a mentor. He was a mentor, and I think that would be your adult oh, yeah. that you Absolutely. found. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah, that's interesting finding one adult, but you have to process it too. I think uh, one of the yeah. things that you process it throughout your life. Yeah. Well, and grief is enduring. You know, oh, yeah. it, it's not something that's just a, 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 a momentary disruption in a person's life. It's a major disruption that we experience at different points in our lives. And you know, not to mention as we, as we go through di different developmental stages in our lives on into adulthood, I mean, children, you'll see it at different stages where now they revisit their loss at a, at a higher developmental stage because they can think abstract. They, they see things differently. Um, and there's different, there's different things currently in their life that that loss is impacting, but that, but it's also true into adulthood. I've facilitated groups for, I mean, I say people who are ages five to 105, I mean, all ages, all types of losses that um, I've had the sacred honor of, of sitting with. And I had this one group that I did for about four years in a row. Um, every Wednesday night, it was a group of spouse uh, folks who had, had a spouse die, but it was people in their seventies and eighties who had had uh, a spouse die. And um, there were about 20, mostly ladies, not many men, a couple of men came through. They ended up dating some of the ladies and they ended up getting married. So that, that <laughs> but I had, but I did have, so this one lady, this one night we were doing our opening go around and it came to her and she said, Andy, tonight, I know this is a spousal loss group, but can I talk about my sister? And I said, sure, you can, you can talk about your sister. Of course, this, this is your group. You talk about what you need to talk about. She said, good, because I've just really been, I've had a hard week about her death. So it came back to her and here's the way she started. She said, my sister was two and I was five when she died. Wow. And it just, this past week, I've really just been missing her. And it occurred to me this past week that my sister has really been my companion my entire life. Like that, that I've, I've continued to miss her in my life and continued to hold her in my heart. So you know, that idea that grief isn't just a momentary thing. It's something we absorb into our lives and becomes part of who we are. Um, and in a lot of ways, we are becoming the people we're becoming because of those experiences that we've had. If I am a parent of a bereaved child. What would be your advice to me? Well, there's a, a couple of things. If you were calling me and asking me, you know, how can I help my child? How can I be supportive? The first thing you can do is to uh, to be aware that whether they're showing their grief or not, that grief exists in their life. And, and there are ways for you to see it and to, and to let them know that you can see, that you know that. Um, being honest with them about, about your feelings. Letting them know, you know, this is, this is a difficult time for me. And, and, and it may be for you as well. Um, and if you have any questions, opening up to your child to say, if you ever have any questions about anything, you can bring those to me. Um, and so that leads us kind of to really the third piece of advice. And that's just to be honest, be honest with your children. Uh, children often, they often find out how a person died and they know more than what we think they know. Mm -hmm. uh, and when we, when we don't tell them the truth, many times they know it anyway. 
uh, and they learn that that becomes a taboo subject and I can't bring that up. If there's ways that you can continue to ch check in with your kids. Um, and then I guess there is one more thing, and that is the, your engagement with your kids. You can engage them around the person who died. You can bring that person's name up, you can share pictures and stories, meaningful stories. Uh, those are all uh, an important piece to it. You're not harming your child by continuing to remember your person who died um, and to acknowledge that it's okay for them to remember that person and for them to honor that person as well in their life. Matter of fact, they'll, they'll thank you for it later when they become adults. Absolutely. They'll look back and they'll thank you for allowing them to continue to make that connection with that relationship that was, was and continues to be so important in their life, as well as your relationship. Wow, Andy, you are an amazing guy. And tell people where they can find you. You've written a book, Understanding and Supporting Bereaved Children. You've co-authored that. And how can people find you? Yeah, people can find me. You can go to the satorigroup.org is probably the easiest way to find me. Um, though, if you if you go to taps.org or really any other organizations I'm connected with, you'll see me pop up uh, along those those ways as well. Um, but the easiest way is go to uh, satorigroup.org. And he's a great speaker, consultant, whatever you need in this area. And you're a great guy. And thank you so much for being on the show today, Andy. Thank you so much, Gloria. And Frank, Frank, thanks for sharing your story. And well, uh, thank you. A great conversation. It really helped to hear your insight and understanding of that process because, you know, it is huge. It stays with you for, I'm 80 years old now and it's still there and yeah. I try to honor it. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And we want to thank everybody for joining us on the show today. And we always want to remind you at Open to Hope that if you've lost hope, Please lean on ours until you find your own, and God bless. I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.